I've been praying uh, for this Sunday, for this hour, for a while. Um, I totally do that every Sunday, by the way. Um, but I have had this, I don't know, sometimes I get this sense of expectation that like I pray for God to move every week. I pray that like lives are changed every week, that we take a step closer to Jesus every week. But then there's some weeks that I'm just like, man, I feel like God's up to something, like God's going to do something. And I've had that sense of expectation this week. So uh, if this is your first time here, my name's Adam, I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, we are in the middle of a series called Who Are You? Uh, we're kind of walking through some of the book of Ephesians as we do this. Um, so, this week, uh, my family and I went camping uh, with another family, the McFarland family, she's our G-Kids director, we had all kinds of fun. Well, it depends on your definition of camping, actually. Um, we were sleeping in an air-conditioned RV with a bathroom, kitchen, and three TVs, so does that count? It was in a campground, so I felt like that was all right. And the, the most uh, difficult thing that we went through was someone, someone forgot our bag that had our clothes in it, someone. Now we're not here to cast blame, it wasn't me, but when that person, she put the last of her things from the bathroom. She didn't carry the bag downstairs, so the guy who was packing the car never put it in the car. It was horrible. Um, but, um, you know, we're not here. Again, we're not here to cast blame. Um, I'm going to stand over here, safer over here. But you know what? A sign of a good relationship, I think, is that you can be like emotional and maybe a little heated in the moment, but then, you know, just a day later, you can make fun of each other and laugh about it, and now we're good. I promise. Um, so, but it, it got me thinking. So I know this is going to sound funny because we weren't really camping. We were more glamping. Like, it wasn't, there was hardly anything hard about it. But it did get me thinking about, like, what you can go without as a human, right? Um, we can just go to Walmart and buy some $9 shorts and make it through. I was actually excited. I got underwear and socks out of the deal, so it was good for me. I, I made out on the deal. Um, <laughs> but what can we go without? You know, if there wasn't a Walmart just 20 minutes away, uh, humans have a basic needs, right? Uh, you, you need water. That's probably the, the most pressing one, right? You, you have to drink water. You can only go a couple of days without that. Sleep actually is pretty high up there too, right? You can't go very long without sleep, just a couple of days as well. Food. You can go a little longer, right? A couple weeks, but it gets progressively harder. But, but you need that, those basic human needs. Uh, and you, maybe you could come up with some more that are less tangible, but what about this one? Can you go without purpose in your life? How long can you go? You know, you can go three days without water, you can go a couple days without sleep, a couple weeks without food. How long can you go without purpose? It's harder, right? Maybe it's different for everybody. You don't just need the basics to survive, right? You, you need a reason. You need a reason to survive. You need a reason to live. To truly live, you need a reason. Something to be working towards, something to be living for, a goal, a mission, a quest, a journey, something out there. Well, let me ask another question. Do you think you can go your whole life and miss your purpose? Now, I just said I don't think you can live without purpose, and now I'm, telling you, I'm asking if you can go your whole life and miss it. So you might be thinking, yes? You, no, no, wait, you might, I don't know. Um, but I think if you look at purpose, you can live on searching for purpose. I think that'll keep you alive. Searching for purpose, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, don't, you haven't found it, 
but you can search for it, and I think it will give you life. It won't be as satisfying. You won't lay your head down on your pillow at night, like, feeling really good about that, but you can search for it. I also think that you can stay alive uh, for uh, using, like, false purposes, not your true purpose, but maybe little, little purposes that, that aren't really your true purpose. I think you can live off of a, a false purpose, and maybe a bunch of different false purposes. You could go from false purpose to false purpose to false purpose and, and live off of those your whole life and survive. And miss the true purpose. Kind of like a, an open world video game. If, if you're a gamer like me, like, you know, uh, you can spend, you can burn hours and hours and hours on those side quests and never actually play the main quest of the game. You, you could burn days of your life and never actually do the thing like the game was designed to do. I think you can do that in life. You can burn days, years, even decades on side quests and miss your true purpose. I think there's a really big reason for that. There's a common mistake that we all make in our thinking that leads us to miss the true deep purpose of our lives. So if you're sitting here today and, and you, maybe, maybe you feel like you fall into one of those two categories, like you, you're, you're staying alive by searching for purpose, not necessarily living it out, or, or maybe you, you do have this sense of which that you're kind of flitting from purpose to purpose to purpose, but you know those aren't the real one. Like you had this sense that the, the deeper purpose of your life is maybe still out there and you're not really living in it, it's, it's somewhere else. And maybe the things that you're living for aren't the real one. If that's you, what we're going to talk about today is so important, so important. Uh, we're going to be in, in Ephesians chapter 3, and I just want to start in uh, verse 6. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are a part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. Uh, so uh, this is God's plan. Sorry, Drake, not the song. This is actually God's plan. Whatever weird thing you're saying in that song, that's not it. This is it. Um, now, <laughs> can we just be real? When you read this, if, if, you don't, if you're not super familiar with the Bible, if this is like newer to you, you're reading that going, and this is God's plan, and you're like, what now? <laughs> right? Because like, you don't, you know, this is 2,000 years later. The guy who wrote this, his name was Paul, and uh, he wrote this uh, book this Ephesians to this church that's in the city of Ephesus. And that church was mostly made up of Jews. Okay, so, so Jews were, were most of the, generally who he was writing to. And here, and, and Jews, they had this attitude, well, I mean, it was true, they were the chosen people of God. God chose them. Uh, but they kind of had this attitude like we're first place and everybody's kind of vying for second. Uh, and it's a little, it could turn arrogant and kind of turn like they'd look their, down their nose at people. So Paul here is saying, hey, hey, guys, check this out. God's plan, like the big master plan, God's grand scheme, the, the meta narrative that God is writing across history, the end goal for God is that everyone who believes this good news will actually be brought into God's family, not just people who are born of, of Jewish descent, but anybody who believes in this good news is going to be brought in. That's God's big plan. The good news. It's a really important piece of this verse, right? Good news. It's capitalized. Other translations say gospel. It's this Greek word, uh, evangelion, depending on whether you're good at pronouncing Greek or not, which I'm not. Um, and the whole idea of good news, gospel, evangelion, is that Jesus came and died on the cross in your place for your sins. That's the gospel. That's the good news. You were a sinner. You needed a savior. He came. So, so 
people who, when, when you believe in that, you are brought into the family of God. We talked about this in week one. But listen, it's not just that you believe that Jesus lived. It's not just that you believe that he died. It's not just that you believe that he rose again. It's that you believe he lived and died and rose again for you. You know the difference? You personalize it. You know it was for you. You know it was for your sins. And you're brought into the family. You belong to Jesus because he bought you with that grand act. Paul continues in verse 7. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. So, so Paul is the guy writing this, uh, and he, he says he's been given this privilege of spreading the good news, the gospel, uh, to, to non-Jewish people. He, 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 he gets that privilege, and we're going to get to that here in a minute. But I love that in verse 8, he calls himself the least deserving. That's a, I mean, you look at Paul, like that's an identity level thing, right? I am the least deserving. And in another place, um, he calls himself the chief of sinners in 1 Timothy. So you can tell this is a part of how he thinks about himself. He has this attitude where like if he were able to talk to you, he'd be like, oh, so you, you, you think your past is messed up, huh? Okay, okay, you got some skeletons in your closet? All right, all right, you think you've done some stuff? But listen, that's nothing compared to what I've done. Paul wants to put his resume of, of miserable failures up against yours and Paul's confident that he'll beat you in that. Okay, and, and he does have a good resume. He, he's saying that he's the least deserving. He's the chief of sinners. He's got the first place sinner trophy. You don't have that, okay? You might have a trophy, but it's not the first place one, okay? And he lists it in different places in the, in the Bible. In 1 Corinthians 15, 9, Paul says that he persecuted the church. He was a violent enemy of people who believed in Jesus simply because they believed in Jesus. Ever done that? Probably not. In Acts 26, 11, Paul says that he was so zealous about persecuting the church that he even traveled to far off cities just to get them. Like, that's, that's crazy, right? Like, that's the opposite of a missions trip. <laughs> it's like the anti-mission trip. Like, you go on a mission trip to go share the gospel. Paul went on a mission trip to go kill people who believed in the gospel. That's crazy. You ever done that? Probably not, right? My travel plans include murdering Christians. Probably not. Acts chapter 7, Paul famously watched the coats of men who killed Stephen, the very first Christian to be killed for his faith. Paul watched as they did. He watched their coats. He made sure nobody's wallets got stolen, you know, because that would be a big concern while they were off killing the first Christian. And it even says that he was in hearty agreement with it. He was given the slow clap as they're drilling this guy and killing him. And then in Acts 22, he admits to throwing Christians in jail and even killing some driving them to the point of death. So, so Paul's saying, hey, my past is all kinds of messed up. I've done some stuff, dark stuff, darker than you. I've attacked people. I've thrown people in jail. I've watched the light leave people's eyes. Least deserving. Chief of sinners. And then check out this next verse. I was chosen. To explain this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. I, least deserving. I, chief of sinners. I, the worst of the worst, was chosen. God picked me. 
Like, that's crazy to think, right? Paul really wants you to know that, listen, I'm the worst that there is. I beat you at sinning. And yet, God chose me for a purpose. Out of all the people in the ancient world, I mean, think about this. God sits down like the book with the list of every human being on the planet. He turns it to the very back of the book, very last page, goes to the bottom of the page and says, that guy. Can't you just see Gabriel being like, who now? <laughs> like, let me get my glasses on. Like, what? Who'd you say? Paul? Are you God? Well, um, we on the wrong page here? Like, that can't be. You're saying that you want uh, this guy to, to be the one who goes out and shares the good news. You know, like, this guy's the one who's killing all the people who believe the good news right now. Yeah, that guy. That guy. I choose him. The least deserving gets the highest privilege. The chief of sinners becomes... Chief forgiven. I really want you to see that. I mean, sometimes, you know, if you've been in church for a while, that that can just graze off of you. Man, let that one hit. Some of you in this room, you believe, you might not say it out loud, but you believe deep down inside that you can't pursue a God-given purpose because you've failed too many times. You've got too many mistakes in your past. Like you took a wrong turn and there's just no way you could get back on the path that God originally had for you because you're way over here somewhere. But can we just look at Paul for a minute? He's, he's murdering, he's going on murder missions trips. He's like buying tickets to places for the purpose of going to kill people. You can't get further off track than that. And God just said, that one, that guy over there who's in that city trying to kill my people, that one, I want him. And I don't just want to save him so he can be a Christian for the rest of his life. I want to use him to change the world. I'm going to turn the world upside down with that guy. You, you got to let that hit. you got to let that hit. I don't care what you've done. You're, you're not just here existing. You're not. God can reach down just like he did with Paul and say, no, 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 that one. You're not, because you're not the least deserving. Paul says he is. You're not the chief of sinner. That's Paul. You don't have the first place sinner trophy in your trophy case. Paul has it. You don't have it. If God forgave Paul's past, he can forgive yours. If God gave Paul purpose, like a deep, eternal, change the world purpose, he can give one to you as well. Your past does not disqualify you. God used Paul as an example. I think that's why God picked Paul. At the most important time in history, God picked Paul to be the one to spread the gospel, and he specifically picked Paul so none of us could say, I don't think God can use me. It was an example. He wanted to hold Paul up and say, if I can use this guy, I can use y'all. Now, so don't, don't let your past prevent you from pursuing your future. Don't do that. Don't let your past prevent you from pursuing your purpose. I think that's one way you can miss it. Uh, but there's another way, and I actually think this one's more common. So, so some of us, maybe we aren't up for the trophy chief of sinners, you know? You're a church, you're a church kid, you're good. Like, you're, you're somewhere in the middle. You know that. You don't get towards the top of the list. Um, but maybe there's a different way we miss it. And it's a mindset shift that we have to have. Uh, verse 10. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So this is, these are huge verses, huge. Paul's saying that God's purpose, so, so you have a purpose, but God has one. That's important to realize. God's got a plan, God's got a purpose. Huge, and it's huge. In all this, 
eternal, eternal. He was going to use the church. From, from eternity past, he had this plan to use the church to display his wisdom to all these unseen rulers and authorities. It's huge. So yes, God wants to work in your life. That, that's for sure. But it's bigger than that. And yes, God wants to work in the world, which is huge, but it's even bigger than that. And yes, God wants to work in history, so not just in the world, but in the world throughout every age. But it's even bigger than that. These verses say that God's plan, God's purpose is to display his work beyond this world. That's crazy, isn't it? That, that he wants to show off to these rulers and authorities in heavenly places that God's plan, God's purpose is so big that even creation as we know it cannot contain it. Here's the mistake you make. You think your purpose is about you. That's where you're missing. And it's easy to do that. It's easy to do that. God created you. God, God wrote your DNA. You have a personality. You have abilities. You have gifts. He made you who you are. And it's easy to get caught up in that and to try and be figuring out what's my purpose? What am I supposed to do? What, what? And it's all, it's all kind of inwardly focused. But he made you who you are for a reason. A reason that is much, 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 much bigger than you. As crazy as this sounds, you're not the main character of your story. <laughs> That's weird, right? Like when the credits roll, you know, when you die, you're not going to be the first person listed. It's God, then you. God's first. The main reason I think most of us miss our purpose is because we think it's about us. We think it's about us. And, and listen, this is, it, it, it may be, I don't know, I was always told that like you shouldn't, you, you have to really be careful about saying the sentence, like it's not about you, because some people can be like, screw you, man. Um, and I'm always like nervous that like people are going to be like, <sighs> you'd have to be really overtly selfish to actually cross your arms to me in front of me right now. I can't see any of you anyways, let's be honest. It's too foggy in here. It's, it's the protection you have today. You can scoff at me all you want, I won't even know, I'll just keep preaching. But listen, self it's too small a thing to live for. That, that might be the problem. What if that's the problem? Self is too small a thing to live for. When you say the sentence, I'm just going to do what makes me happy, what you're actually choosing is to live for less than your purpose. You're choosing a lesser. And the irony is that when you consistently choose what will make you happy, you end up miserable. Isn't that weird? And you already know this, right? I don't even have to convince you. It's hard when you're looking at yourself, but it's easy when you see it in other people, Right? You know that selfish people are some of the least happy, happy people on the planet. The narcissist is miserable. You know that. Any narcissist you know, they're not happy. They, they are flipping from thing to thing to thing to thing, searching for something, and they will burn you to the ground so they can get to the next thing because you're not doing it anymore, so now they've got to keep going. But they're miserable. They're miserable because they can't find it. They're living for self, and it isn't working. You know that. You can watch them and see it. The problem is, is trying to turn that around so you can look and see in the mirror. In the end, to live for self makes you miserable because you weren't created to live for yourself. It doesn't work because your purpose is bigger than you. It's bigger than you. You were actually created this way. The only way to understand your purpose is to realize that your purpose plugs into God's purpose. 
You were created to be a part of something much, much, much bigger than you. And you could instead choose to live for yourself. But the world would be all the lesser for it. And you'd be miserable. It it won't do the thing that you think it's going to do. That's the the most ironic part for me as as a... pastors when I'll I'll talk to people and they're struggling with this kind of a thing and the instinct when you're feeling dissatisfied with life the instinct when when you feel like you're lacking some kind of purpose and you're at least semi-aware that that's what it is your instinct is to be more selfish isn't that weird your and your instinct is dead completely wrong but everybody just thinks I need to I need to do me more I need to be be more focused on me and that is the opposite of the solution most of the time (laughs) When you're feeling like you lack purpose, don't look in, look out. Look up. Your dissatisfaction won't be solved by doing you. You'll be miserable if you do that. The way to truly live, the most fulfilling way to live is in pursuit of God's purpose. God's purpose. Now, I'm not saying we're all the same, right? This isn't some assembly line Christianity where God just made a bunch of Christian drones and he's just sending us out. We're all the same. No, you're unique. You are. God created you in a very specific way to to be a part of his plan in a very specific way. But what I'm saying is your purpose only makes sense when it's plugged into God's purpose. It's the only way it makes sense. It's the only way it's fulfilling. So in this series... um, We've all been, only been talking about identity, your self-perception, who you believe you are, and how powerful your identity is. Such, such an important thing for you. Your, your identity dictates so much of your life, way more than we realize. How you think, how you speak, the choices you make. Identity is like a core issue. It's a foundational issue. It is a cause that has a ton of different effects in your life. Who you believe you are is one of the most important things you have. So who are you? Week one, we learned that you're adopted. You're a child of God. You are a son or a daughter of God. Huge. Last week, we learned that you are forgiven. Forgiven. Everything you've ever done is paid for by Jesus on the cross. That is who you are. Today, I want you to see that you are chosen. You're chosen. Paul, in these verses we just looked at, said that he was chosen. Even though he was least deserving, even though he's chief of sinners, God chose him. And I want you to know, God chose you as well. Look at 1 Peter 2, 9. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. God chose you. Chosen? Maybe that doesn't fully impact, but like chosen for what, right? Like he picked you. For what? To, to participate in this grand plan that he has. To participate in God's grand purpose. This, this narrative that he's writing over all of history, he chose you to be a part of that. God looked down the bench, saw you and said, hey, I want you in the game. I want you in there. He, he wants you. He handed you a trowel and said, build my kingdom on this earth. He handed you a sword and said, go fight for the souls of men and women on this earth. You, God chose you. That needs to sink all the way down to not just being something that you do, but understanding that that is a part of who you are. You are chosen. 
who are chosen. And it's important to understand, like, God doesn't need you. Just, just a little side note. God doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. God can do anything he wants to do without us. But for some reason, consistently throughout history, God likes, he chooses to work through us. He, he seems to enjoy uh, working through his people. It's, it's consistent throughout the Bible that he wants to do the things he wants to do through us, through you. I mean, you think about this. If you really get this, God chose you to live right now, 2019, in this place, Northeast Ohio. Knowing the people that you know, walking in the spheres you walk in, God put you there specifically on purpose. Do you realize that? Like every room you walk into, do you carry that with you? Like you're, you're chosen for something bigger than just whatever's going on in the room. Do you have that? If you really let it sink in, it gives you like a sense of destiny almost. Like, like a weight of responsibility that you've been tasked with something. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, there's a, there's a mission, there's a purpose that's always running in the background. It's a submission of the grand mission that God has, but it's vitally important. He perfectly created you to fulfill the mission that he chose you for. Man, if you get this, if you really can own this, you'll get this feeling like using your life for anything less feels wasteful. Eventually, it'll be, it'll be this weird, this just doesn't matter as much because I want to pursue that thing that God created me for. You're chosen. You're chosen. Now, just because you're chosen, doesn't mean you're going to fall butt backwards into your purpose, right? You are. And even if you start to get that, it doesn't mean it's just going to happen, right? God does choose to work through you. He actually does allow you to stumble and fall and, and mess up constantly. He's, he's going to work with that too. But it, just because you know that you're chosen does not mean you're going to fulfill that purpose that God has for you. Some things have to happen. So once you start to, and maybe today's going to be the first day for some of you to start to accept the identity that you are are chosen. Today might be the first day that you start to let that seed sink down into your heart and hopefully it will continue uh, to grow. But, but three things have to happen for this to actually like, matter, for, for it to have some, some fruit in your life. Number one, once you start to accept the identity that you are chosen, uh, the first thing that's going to happen is, is stretching. And I think this is something you're going to have to embrace really important for you to know that your purpose is outside of your comfort zone. You know that? See, that, 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 that's another one where I think if you, if you make the mistake of thinking that your purpose is about you, you'll think that, well, my purpose has to be inside of my comfort zone because it's about me, and I'm not going to go outside my comfort zone because that wouldn't be pleasant for me. Uh, see, but once you realize that your purpose is outside of you and that it's God's purpose that you need to plug into, you'll realize that you're going to be called outside of yourself. You're going to be called outside of your comfort zone. Your purpose is out there. It's beyond you. Your first instinct, when you get like a, a whisper or a whiff of your purpose, your first instinct is not going to be, oh, I got that, I got that. It's not, actually. It, it might be a little bit of fear, <laughs> for real. Because God wants to stretch your capacity. And stretching doesn't feel good, right? For God to work through you, he has to expand 
expand your capacity for him to be able to work. His power has to be able to flow through. Every single hero in the Bible who did something awesome for God was outside of their comfort zone. Their first instinct was not, oh yeah, eh, that giant, I can take him. That was not their first instinct. Their first thought is, that's bigger than me. I, I don't know that I can handle that God without you. And a lot, a lot of times, the best moments of these heroes' lives is this begging for God to come with them. This, this realization that I can't do this thing you're calling me to do if you don't come with me. I, I need you to stretch me. I'm going to try this thing that's out there. And, and I actually think a lot of their prayers, I mean, I think like David's walking out with that slingshot going, Lord, I hope this is you. I hope this is you. I hope this is you. Because I don't think he had this, this silly confidence like we all portray him to have. It was still that, that man, Lord, I want to do something for you. I want to do something big. And I'm not really sure, but I, I, you got to come through, God. You got to come through, God. You got to come through, God, because this is bigger than me. And I think that's a part of it. Your purpose is going to be outside of the things that you're comfortable with. It'll still be you. Your DNA will still be there. Your, your, all the ways God created will still be there, but it's still going to be bigger. You're still going to have those butterflies in your stomach, that adrenaline rush, and that, man, Lord, you better be with me in this. It's still going to be there. A guy named William James said this, compared with what we ought to be, we are only half awake Our fires are dampened, our drafts are checked. We're making use of only a small part of our possible mental and physical resources. Stating the thing more broadly, the human individual lives far within his limits. He possesses powers of various sorts he habitually fails to use. See, if you stay inside your comfort zone, you're never going to really know what you're capable of. You're never going to actually hit that edge where, because it's the edge, it's the edge of you where God has to move, right? If you're just doing stuff that you're able to do, God doesn't have to show up. You got it. But if you really want to feel God move, see God move in your life, you got to get to the edge where you can't anymore and God has to move. That's where it is. That's, it's the edge of you, the edge of your capacity, the edge of your comfort zone where you actually get to experience God move. And I don't know about you, listen, I'll just, I want to live there. I want to live on the edge. That's the, that's the most exciting place to live. Maybe that's part of your problem is you've lived so far inside of your comfort zone that you, the edge is, is where you feel alive. The edge is where you get to experience God move. Maybe, maybe you need to take some steps out. So that's the first thing. First thing that happens when you accept The identity that you are chosen is stretching. The second thing that starts to shift is priorities. When you really start to grasp the idea that you're chosen, that the God of the universe chose you to fulfill a mission, to fulfill a purpose, that you were chosen to be a part of something bigger than you, the things in your life are going to start to shuffle around. It's not going to be all at once. You're not going to sit down with like a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet and like, okay, this was my number one priority. Now it's not. Like it's not going to happen that way. It's going to be more slow, more organic. The stuff that used to be really, really important is going to start to fade. You're going to start to realize, hmm. And the stuff that, that was not even on your radar is going to start to go up the list. If you really understand that you're chosen, stuff's going to move. Because you, you're chosen. I'm chosen now. God gave me a mission. God gave me a purpose. I need to reorient my life around that. Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. All these things. I love that how casually Jesus says, and all these things. That's literally the rest of your life. 
you know, your house, your car, like literally everything is just, and all these things. But this is first. This is it. When you put this first, God takes care of that. You got to put that first though. And I think that's a part where, uh, again, if you get that you're chosen, it's going to start to work, but there's going to be a decision or you have to go, you know what? If I really want to live out God's purpose, I'm going to have to choose to put his kingdom first. I'm going to have to make choices that are oriented around that. Purpose takes priority. Could you say that about every aspect of your life right now? That purpose takes priority? Specifically, God's purpose? Because listen, literally everybody in this room right now, you could fill your calendars up twice and over again, right? There is too much to do and not enough time in which to do it. I, I know that. It, none of us are sitting here going, I got like Mondays free, right? No, you don't. You, you could fill your life up to the brim and overflowing. Too many things to fit in. You, if you really want to live out your purpose, have to learn to say the word no. Chosen people really need to say no. Well, they say no with their calendars, they say no with their wallets, they say no with their energy because they are saying yes to purpose. And in order to say yes to something, you're going to have to say no to something else. You're going to have to reorient your priorities around purpose. But again, if you get it, you're drawn to that. That, that's not, like, it's a little scary. Oh, man, I, some of you, you're people pleasers, so you really hate saying no, period. And then some of you, you really like being crazy busy, and you, you want to just go, 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 go. Fine, but I think if you really get that you're chosen, and you really get, like, the reason I'm here is for God's purpose, all of a sudden you're going to be at least drawn to saying no to something so that you can say yes to that. Because that's it. That's it. It's the thing that's going to make your heart come alive. Say no to the lesser so you can say yes to the greater. So God's going to stretch you. God's going to start to reorient your priorities. And the last thing that has to happen, if you really understand you're chosen, is determination. Can I tell you a secret? It, it, I want to say it's a secret. People who give up easily never live out their purpose. They don't. See, you think that, you think that you look at somebody who's living it out, you look at somebody who's like up there like doing it and you're like, oh man, they just had this like downward slope to this purpose. Like it's just this easy thing for them. But you haven't seen the journey. But I'm telling you, if you give up easily, you're never gonna live it out. You'll quit way before you get to it. You will. Purpose, pursuing purpose, it's hard. You're gonna hit roadblocks. You're gonna have doors slammed in your face. And then, Maybe that's part of it. Isn't that a nice little Christian saying, like, if, if God closes a door, he opens a window, right? It always makes you feel better if you feel like you got, like, something stopped you. But, like, I have a question about that. How do you know God closed the door? How do you know? How do you know it didn't just get closed? How do you know God's not on the other side going, let's see what they do? How do you know that? Maybe. Maybe God let that door get closed, not because he doesn't want you to go uh, through it, Maybe he doesn't want you to go through the window. Maybe he opened the window just to see if you really wanted to go through the door. See if you really wanted to see what level of determination you had. Maybe he wants you to get a hold of that handle. 
and put your shoulder into that thing and see if it'll budge. Maybe he wants you to go find an axe, go find a sunshine. Maybe it's so big that he wants you to go gather a couple more people and say, you know what, we got to cut this tree down. We got to build a battering ram because God wants me to go through that stupid door and we're taking it down. And if you feel that way, let's do it. Maybe God wants that. Don't let a closed door stop you. Listen, again, look at the heroes of the Bible. Every single one of them encountered things that they hit, that they could have interpreted as signs from God that, they didn't, that God didn't want them to do that anymore. Every single one of them. But they all pushed through. And again, maybe, who knows? Who knows how God works behind the scenes and all that? Maybe God just honors it when you say, you know what, God, I feel like I'm, I'm like 75% sure that you actually want me on the other side of this thing, so I'm going to do it. And if I'm wrong, have me break my forehead open as I slam into this thing. But Lord, I'm doing it for you. I'm doing it for you. And maybe God honors that. Maybe he uses it in ways you didn't even expect. But if you really want to see it, if you really want to experience it, that purpose... You're going to have to have determination. Chosen people have grit. Chosen people have determination. One of my favorite quotes is by a guy whose name I cannot pronounce. You'll see why. Um, Dag, good old Dag. He said this. When the morning's freshness has been replaced by the weariness of midday, when the leg muscles quiver under the strain and the climb seems endless and suddenly nothing will go quite as you wish, it is then that you must not hesitate. Have you ever been there in that moment? You know that moment where you're just like, oh, screw this. You know, I've climbed all this way and now it's getting hard. Like I was already exhausted 100 miles ago and now my leg muscles are straining and now things are going to start to go wrong. Forget it. No, no, no. That's it. That's where it happens. That's where God starts to move. Because again, you're, you're getting to the end of yourself at that point, right? This isn't just a comfort zone thing. This is an energy level thing. You have to get to the end of you before you can actually experience God working in your purpose. Don't stop. You stop and like right before the thing happens. You are called to be a part of something so much bigger than you. You're wired to be drawn to that, to only be satisfied with that. Living for self is too small. God wrote something bigger into your DNA and you're only going to be satisfied if you pursue it. One of the things we say here all the time, if you are not dead, God is not done. That purpose is still there. You're not supposed to float. That's not a thing. If you're, if you're dead, you're done. But if you're still alive, there's purpose. He wants you to plug into his grand purpose. and You're supposed to make something happen. You're supposed to make a ripple that goes all the way out into eternity. And when you get to heaven, God's going to look at you and say, you did it. Like that's supposed to be a thing. We're still alive. Every single one of you is still alive. We're supposed to make that ripple. And you're supposed to get to stand there as the God of the universe says, well done. That was the ripple. I put you there in that time, in that place, for that reason. Well done. That's what you're living for. And once you've done the thing, you get to die and go be with him in heaven. And that's actually the best part of your story, not the worst part, by the way. You are chosen. You are chosen for a purpose that is bigger than creation. So maybe today is the day you go after it. Today is the day you start to own that identity and make decisions to pursue the purpose that God has for you.